Time now for another Thrash Pie Radio podcast. This is where I celebrate the pure rock years of Southern California's heavy metal flagship, KNAC-FM. I am Thrash Pie, your favorite guy, the aforementioned one. So I appreciate you hanging with me through these sort of inside baseball podcasts that we're going through. And I'm doing them through interviews because I think it's a little, uh, I think it's a lot more insightful, to be quite honest with you. Today, we're talking to a guy named Stu Herrera, who is one of the great success stories uh, from the KNAC staff. He's another guy who started from absolutely nowhere, a local guy. And, um, you know, I'm going to let him explain his whole path and, uh, you know, his progression through the through the KNAC uh, era into where he is now, which is one of the most sought after voiceover and production people in radio in the United States. He's done national broadcasts. Uh, he did one of those big award shows. I forget which one it was, but um, at, at, at any rate, Stu Herrera, one of the great ones. We do have. Uh, somewhat of a history uh, towards the end of the KNAC Pure Rock era, about a month before KLOS was beginning to uh, rearrange itself yet again. And Kerry Curlop called me and said, Ted, send me a, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> thrash by, send me a production tape. I'm looking for a production director. And I said, you know, it's just not me. I'm the morning guy. I like doing that. But I have a kid right here, who is probably on the cusp of being one of the best people in town. So Stu, Stu Herrera and I do have a history. You know, it all goes back to the day that, that you walked into my studio and said, Stu, you, there's an opportunity and, you're, and you have to go for it. And that was uh, 94. And dude, I think we could bring this up. I mean, I was pissed at you for a number of months. We didn't talk, remember? Yeah, what happened? I don't know. I got to stick up my ass about something. But what was funny was that they gave us Kris Kringles, each other. <laughs> or at least they gave me you. But I couldn't go to the, the Christmas party. But I thought, I know what I'll get that fucker thrash by. <laughs> 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 so I, got, I got you a shoebox. I got you a 40-ounce, some handy wipes, <laughs> some uh, some conditioner, and a hustler. <laughs> <laughs> I could taped it up, put a wrap, and put a bow on it, and say, "There, there's this Christmas gift." That was my, you were my secret Santa. Yeah, my first stint, you know, and I storm out, and Gonzo does mornings. Are you at the station at that time? When did you first get to KNAC? Yeah, yeah, I was there, bro. Um, uh, we didn't cross cross paths that much because I came in in the afternoon and uh, you know did my. Let's see what was happening. I was uh, I was an intern. I started out as a phone fox, as a you know volunteer answering phones. I was with Ton and I think Paul, and then Mar gave me the um, the opportunity to uh, to be an intern because I'd expressed interest in, in all of that. And they even kept me on a second semester, which was technically against the rules, but I guess there wasn't anyone banging down the door. And they said, hey, whatever, you're not getting credits. We'll look the other way. You just keep doing what you're doing. So thank God that all happened. And then, yeah, you you, you left, and everything kind of shuffled. So Gonzo, I, I guess, got mornings, if I remember correctly. And then Darren met from overnights, and he got nights where Gonzo was. And then Neil got overnights 
and that created an opening in production. I think Craig uh, Williams got the the main seat, but there was a like a production assistant or a morning show production thing that that opened up, and I was literally down to like my last sixty cents. <laughs> my parents were just livid. They're like, "We don't know what you're doing, this stupid kid, this pipe dream, this radio rock business, kiddo. That's over. <laughs> it ain't panning out." Wow. Tom Marshall gave me that job. I think I was earning 60 bucks a week mm. at the time. That's what it, that's what the what my shot was and it turned everything around. So, let's see. I'm gone and Marshall's there and so there's a transition to the Pam era. How did that work for you? It worked okay for me. You know, I've been lucky everyone didn't quite get Pam. Back some don't still. Right. <laughs> <laughs> She gave me more hours and more responsibility, and I believe, I'm trying to remember when she made me production director, whether that was also the, the day that she also took me aside and we went to lunch, and she was trying to tell me that, she, that you know, Gons was not going to be in the picture anymore, but, you know, I'm thick as a brick, and I don't get it. You know, she's saying stuff like, you know, your work with Gonzo, that's not going to get you anywhere. You're, you want to do more production for us. And I'm like, yeah, but Gonz needs my help. And Gonzo, and she, with this, we went around like this a couple of times, and finally she just kind of stopped and looked at me and got, got stern. She says, I don't know how else to tell you this, Stu, but there is no future at KNAC for you if it's with Gonzo. <laughs> like, I think you're getting through. <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome so well you were probably about, about 20 years old and she was you know ready to yeah I was she was ready to check out into the record business 21 or 22 sure man like that yeah i don't know so she kind of bumped heads with gons and and she had us playing a lot more uh hair uh bands of the era we got a lot poppier un- under pam and um you know, I'm not sure, uh, you know, whether that was the right thing to do at that time or not. I mean, we survived it, and it was fine. I mean, we, we rode the wave of grunge and the beginnings of alternative under Greg and Brian, really, not so much Pam. It worked for a while. It was, it was, it was just fine. I, I do remember this. <laughs> Painkiller came out under Pam's watch by Judas Priest. And I remember the record came to the, to the studio, and we all excitedly put it on because Priest had, uh, hadn't blown us away with Ram It Down. They were okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, we were looking forward to something to, to Priest coming back and kicking our asses. And we're like, oh, please be good. Please kick ass. We put on Painkiller, and every dude in the room is like, fuck, yeah, woo, this is bitching. And Pam is just kind of sitting there kind of like, mm, fuck. <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to play this, but if this is the direction Judas Priest is headed, I don't know. <laughs> what were the big uh, What were the big promotions that went on when she was there that you remember? Uh, easy Money. The hell's that? Uh, it's just your basic, you know, bribe you to listen kind of contest. I think it was the first promo that she had me do or, or take a swing at. You know, I gave it my all. Uh, and uh, she liked it. I think she started looking at me as, you know, a viable production person at that point. But, yeah, the the promotion itself was, oh, man, I don't remember. Listen for some. Yeah, for, uh, your standard Radio 101 forced listening promotion. $105. Right. right. And uh, I, think, uh, I think we sent, uh, I, we must have done at least one, if not two, uh, trips to, uh, to Cabo under Pam. Oh, Okay. I believe. In fact, I'm sure of it because, uh, yeah, she also put me on the air as a disc jockey, as a fill-in, an overnight guy. And we used to air check all the time. Um, 
So that that was definitely happening in those days. Well, so you were building your chops. You were getting in the chair, yeah. putting in the time, and and uh, and also getting in the production room yeah. and building your chops there. You let me do it, man. I mean, let, you know, I I could crack a little wise about Pam and say I wouldn't have done it this way or this was an error, blah blah blah. But dude, I owe Pam big mm-hmm, time. I mm-hmm. love her. No, I know what you're talking about. You what other promotion happened under Pam? Was that uh, was that bridge jump? Yeah, she let that go down. She let that go down. The big, the big, the big bridge jump. This was a, a major, major thing that Stu and Gonzo pulled off. Um, and, and just a bit of background on that. Um, morning shows in Los Angeles, and at that time, was dominated by Mark and Brian at KLOS. I was there with them. All they did was go out into the public. They went to the, they called it the fun zone. It was the parking lot. They did huge stunts all over the place. So it was kind of the era of stunts in morning radio in Los Angeles. And uh, everything that Mark and Brian did, yeah, it was pretty cool. But none of them, none of them outdid the enormity of the bridge jump. Hi, Stu and Gonzo are not really going to do that bungee cord thing tomorrow, are they? Uh, Well, we had a coin toss. Stu is jumping off the Vincent Thomas Bridge. He can't. Why not? Because he might get hurt. Yes, what if he gets hurt? Oh, man, come on, Stu. It's only 15 stories. Wow. Well, this certainly adds a new dimension to the excitement, doesn't it? Well, you know, uh... The old death dimension. Stu should jump naked. Well, maybe we should attach the bungee to his... Possibly. No, no. 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 Definitely not. But uh, we will be tempting the hand of fate. You will be tempting the hand of fate. Yes, tomorrow, Friday the 13th. Stu's jumping off a bridge. Come down, check it out. Beneath the Vincent Thomas Bridge, San Pedro. Take the Harbor Freeway 110 south till it ends. Get off on Harbor Boulevard. Cruise into the parking lot for Catalina Cruises. Do Do not stop on the bridge. bridge. But bring some donuts and radio and come down party with us tomorrow morning. Pure Rock 105.5 KNAC. Enjoy the ride, he says. Oh God. To be primo, you gotta be extremo. <laughs> Your Rock 105.5 KNAC. And, and Stu, man, you know, that guy's got huevos you, you cannot believe. Um, and the, the, the hoops they had to jump through to make that uh, promotion or stunt happen, they had to deal with the Coast Guard. The, the, the rule was if they even touched the water, it was a federal offense. So... You know, you can imagine the logistics of putting something like that together. Thank God the little KNAC station was just sort of across the bridge in downtown Long Beach, so at least it made it somewhat easy to get to. And speaking of Pam Edwards, just quickly, um, you know, she gave a, a number of people a great shot at getting into professional radio. And, and actually, Mike Stark, the king of radio show producers, and my producer at KNAC for years— was hired by Pam to do KNAC Talkback, which was the great uh, public service, you know, get to talk to the gun nuts on Sunday morning show. It was tremendous. Jack Trash got his start with, with Pam Edwards. Uh, Ever Ready Ed, to a small degree, got his start with Pam Edwards. And obviously there you're hearing that Stu Herrera 
I would venture to say the most successful of of us all, certainly financially, uh, to graduate from KNAC. So there you have it. All right, I'll have more insight into the Pure Rock years at KNAC-FM in future podcasts. In fact, a little bit more from Stu Herrera in the next uh, episode, actually. In the meantime, your comments and correspondence of any kind are welcome at thrashpyradio at gmail.com. Give us a like and a share, and keep your eye on your Facebook page for the next Thrash Pie Radio podcast. (laughs) 